thing and again and again. But I've come to kind of this realization over the last year. I'm falling a little bit in love with liturgy because these are prayers and songs. You know, these songs we sing this morning, Hark the Herald, uh, or Come All Ye Faithful, uh, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, which was written in 1766. Anyone remember 1766 in here? Uh, remember it fondly. It's maybe Mike, uh, who's actually not here today, because Mike and Gloria got COVID for Christmas. So spare a thought for them, their prayers. That's the first, like it's the first time they've had it. So you know, I'm kind of impressed by that. But you know, give them the, your love because they're very upset that they can't be here for Christmas. You know what they're like with church services. But these songs, these prayers, years and years of the faithful have sung them. And I love what Nedra touched on, and it's like she's been reading my sermon notes about, you know, the Bible says that God is not slow in keeping his promise. But sometimes God is okay with the long game. And it's not that it's slow. I mean, the Bible says he's not slow as some of you would define slow. He's working because his will is that no one would perish. And so God is working at a pace that we can keep up with him. Because if God worked as fast as he could work, we would all be a little bit like, left behind, and not in the weird movie with Nicolas Cage sense. But, but you know, there's this sense, you know, this song written by, by John Wesley in 17, sorry, 1744, not 1766. I definitely don't remember that year. Come thou long expected Jesus. And it was written as he was reflecting on the words of Haggai. When was the last time you opened the book of Haggai? <laughs> Yesterday. Well done, you. It's some sort of chance thing, isn't it? And the verse that he was reflecting on was all about suffering, and it was all about children who were suffering and, and, and hopelessness in the world around him. And maybe a little bit like me, you know, you watch the news, you tune in, you're aware of different things, and you see some of these same things play out that were playing out all the way back in the book of Haggai. And as a response to this, John Wesley wrote the words of the song, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And if we were just to look at some of those words this morning, because I want to use them as a springboard to where we're going. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. And I love this verse, and I think it's particularly uh, poignant at this time of year and with things that are going on because you have to read the fullness of it because it says Israel's strength and consolation but it goes on and says the desire of every nation and we serve a God who this Christmas comes for all and the joy of that is that it doesn't matter what you're going through it doesn't matter what sort of Christmas you're facing. Uh, you know, I, I was talking just with, with our family on, on a family chat. It popped up in a couple of places. There's a song by Toby Mack and a couple of other people called Christmas Hits Different. Uh, again, for our family, there's been a couple of, 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 of um, loved ones that have got graduated to glory, gone to be with Jesus. They're having the best Christmas ever. But it leaves a little bit of a sting. And so there might be different things going on. But the joy of the Christmas message, Emmanuel, God with us, is that he comes for everyone. And so my message this morning is titled Hype or Hope. Hype or Hope. And I'm sure I will stumble over it several times as we go. Let me start with the scripture, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I haven't got them on the screen this morning. You're just going to follow along with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I'm reading from the NLT. 
And it says this, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Let me drum on this for just a minute. Every single, almost every single encounter that the nativity story reflects starts with someone saying, do not be afraid. Why? Because as John Wesley wrote, he has come to release us from our fears and from our sins. Do not be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. I wonder what it would have been like to be those shepherds. To just be out, minding your own business, doing your normal gig, your normal job. Probably enjoying some level of peace because everything was quite chaotic in town because everyone was there for the senses. And then this angel appears, and, and, and rightly so, they were terrified. I think I would be terrified. I think you would be terrified. I don't know if you've ever looked, if, like there's a great video that circulates every now and again where someone has drawn pictures of what angels look like as described in the Bible. And we often have this picture, you know, and, and you'll probably see some of them over the, over the Christmas season of these beautiful angels with wings and they look fantastic. And, and some of these pictures of angels are just like, if you saw them, you would be terrified. They've got like eyes everywhere, like far from the angelic kind of thing that we painted in Renaissance art. And so this, 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 the heavens open, this angel appears, and, and it says they're terrified, and he says, don't be afraid. And he tells them that this promised Messiah that they've been waiting for forever, since the book of Haggai, since the day, book of Genesis, from the beginning of time, since the fall of creation, these people have been crying out, waiting, listening for the promised Messiah. And this angel just appeared and said, today's the day. How would it feel to know that what your ancestors prayed for was going to happen in your lifetime? I mean, I just think, I just think on a little level of, you know, the, like in, in our church, people who have gone before us who had dreams when this church was planted. What would it be like if you suddenly knew that those things were going to happen in your lifetime? And so these shepherds are out there. They've been waiting for years. They've heard the stories. But not only that, they know their parents, their grandparents, or their great-grandparents. Generations have been waiting. And this angel appears and says, it's today. The excitement that would fill your spirit, I imagine, would be something out of this world. And I imagine that the expectation of what was to come next, you'd have been like, all right. And you see this throughout the Bible, right? Jesus rises from the dead after Good Friday, after Easter, and the disciples say, is this when we're going to take over Rome? They're constantly looking for this charioteer. They're constantly looking for this war general, this, this, this kingly Messiah. And so I imagine these shepherds going, this is the moment that our generations have been talking about. Let's listen for where we'll find them. And the angel says, you will recognize him by this sign. 
you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, I wonder if at that moment you would go, huh? Is, is it the father of the baby? Is it? No, no, you will recognize him by this sign. He will be in a manger. He will be a baby. He will be wrapped in strips of cloth. Um, look, Gabriel, this isn't exactly what we've been waiting for. We thought there'd be a little bit more hype, uh, a little bit more fanfare, maybe some trumpets, maybe like, maybe a chariot, a horse, all this sort of thing. And so this long expected Jesus suddenly comes and he comes in such a way that they go, I would imagine, and I think if you were there and I was there, we'd go, that's it? Like that's how? And then like Nedra said, and he just hangs around for 30 years before he even starts his ministry? Like if, you were, if, you're, if you're following this guy on Facebook, you're following his parents waiting for his big thing and like you keep checking in on every birthday and like nothing's happening for 30 years? This long expected Jesus, this long expected Messiah turns up and then he makes you wait a little longer? And then this Jesus starts his ministry at 30 and he ministers for about three years and then they nail him to a cross. He goes, is that it? Like he did some awesome things, but I think they were probably waiting for longer. I think they were waiting for a takeover. I think they were waiting for a military. And then they, is that it? And then he rises from the dead and they go, is, oh, okay, now, now. We're going to take over Rome. Now you're coming with it. And he goes, well, actually, uh, I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And so he ascends. And they watch him ascend. And, then he did, and, and the angels appear and say, he'll come back the same way that he left. When? And so Jesus, when will you come back? He goes, I don't know. Only my father knows that one. And so I, you know, I imagine there's this kind of resurrection excitement, this hype. And then he ascends and you go... Is that it? And maybe you're living today, coming to church week after week or Easter and Christmas, whatever your rhythms of church are and praying and waiting and you're, you're looking at your marriage, you're looking at your children, you're looking at current events, you're looking at all these sorts of things and you hear about the promise of Jesus and you still go, he's my long expected Jesus. Paul wrote about this long expected Jesus. That the present sufferings were nothing compared to the glory of what was to come when his long expected Jesus came back. And I wonder what happens when we have this hype instead of hope. If our Christmas story loses some of its power. See, when I was 11 years old, I got invited to a birthday party. Another 11, 12-year-old in, in, in our class. He was one of the older ones in the class, and they lived on a farm. And, and, and he said, oh, we're doing this birthday party. And I want to tell you, he hyped it up. He said, like, oh, man, it's going to be awesome. My parents aren't even going to be there. Which, in hindsight, I'm like, dude, you're 12. 
And I'm like, now I've, there's youth group kids that are like this old. And you're like, <laughs> but like, I mean, it was hype. He was like, there's going to be, he was telling the guys that were going to be girls there, the girls that were going to be guys there. It was going to be awesome. There was going to be drinks there. It was going to be great time. Come along. It'll be cool. Um, and, and, you know, again, how cool can you be when you're 12 years old? Let's be fair. I mean, if you're 12 in this room right now, you're awesome. But you will look back in about 10 years' time and go, oh, man. Oh, future me could meet past me. Oh, just present me could meet past me. I would have some words, you know. But what made this even worse, and particularly for this guy, right, is he had hyped this party up. And when we got there, not only were his parents there, his aunties were there, his uncles were there, his granddad was there. <laughs> like the whole whanau was there, man. And they'd made, you know, like, like honestly, like just from the hype to the actual presentation was deeply, deeply disappointing. Probably more so because of the way that he'd hyped it up before. As a parent now, I go, I like that. As an 11-year-old, I was deeply disappointed. <laughs> Anywho, all this to say, the word hype. You know, you, you might have been in traffic in the last couple of days, and I, I get that it's Blenheim, so like, how bad is traffic really? But like, it's certainly been worse this week, right, than normal, because there's a lot of Christmas hype. There's a lot of shopping hype. There's a lot of lunch hype. There's a lot of all this sort of stuff, and I love all this stuff. I, you know, I love the lunch. I love the family. I love the, and the people of, of Israel loved a good feast. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if hype overtakes hope, what do we have? If hype overtakes hope, what are we left with? See, the word hype. Um, I was listening just recently to one of my favorite kind of cultural commentator preachers at the moment, um, Mark Sayers, and he talked about this, this kind of thing that they had happening um, in their church in Melbourne after the, some of you remember this year started with like the, um, the spiritual renewal at Asbury University. There was this kind of outpouring of the spirit, a calling back of people. And he said, and, and this kind of raised our expectations of what was possible for the church, right? And he said, and he walked into this one particular meeting at their campus in, in Australia, and he said, and the expectation was palpable in the room. But he said, I want to clarify that. He said, because I have been in rooms where the hype has been palpable. He said, but this was not hype. This was expectation. And so I got to thinking about this. I started thinking about, well, what's the difference between hype and expectation? And I've made a couple of notes, and, I, and this is what I want, to, I want us to think about as we come into Christmas. The difference between Christmas hype and Christmas hope. Because the whole message seemed to be, even through the Scriptures, they were waiting for some form of Messiah hype. But instead, Jesus was going, I'm, I'm bringing hope. And it's a far better story, and I'll show you why. See, there's, oh, where am I going to put that? Let me start with a couple of, let me give you a couple more scriptures. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 to 25, Paul writes this. He says, for we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? 
But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. See, here's one of the things that I have uh, noticed about the difference between hype and expectation, or hype and hope. Hype fades real quick. Uh, I remember going to Easter camp as a young person, and you go down and you come back on fire for Jesus because you just spent like three days in a room full of three and a half thousand other Christian teenagers, and you'd sung praises, and there'd been lights, and there'd been music, and there'd been engaging preachers, and there'd been all these things, and you came back and you went, my life is going to be different from now on until Wednesday. Because hype fades. See, Jesus wrote about this when he talks about the parable of the sower. He said, some seed finds good soil, but it doesn't find deep roots. And seed that doesn't find deep roots grows quickly, but when heat comes, when the hard times come, it withers just as fast. See, I don't know how many people I've known who have given their life to the hype of Christianity. but have never found the hope of Jesus Christ. And it's the hope, see, because hype fades, but expectation endures. Expectation has endured through generation after generation after generation, from the book of Genesis, from the book of Haggai, from the birth of the church in Acts, through the First and Second World Wars, through all sorts of different oppression over years, through Roman occupation, you know, over and over and over again, hope has endured. Hope out last hype. And here's why that's good news. Because not only is hope, so hype fades, but hope endures. I told you I was going to trip this over. But hype is exclusive. Hype is exclusive because it excludes anybody who doesn't feel the hype. And so again, this is the joy of our Christmas message is that hope is inclusive because even if you don't feel hyped this Christmas, maybe you feel heavy, maybe you feel burdened. The Bible, the message is the hope of Jesus Christ is for everyone. The hype of Jesus Christ, if we could call it that, is only for people who feel the hype. And I don't know about you, but I've sat in church services when I was growing up, you know, not even like that, that long ago. You know, where you sit in churches and everyone's trying to hype something, trying to push something, trying to whatever, and you go, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. Like, you know, something happens in your community and everyone's reeling and, and you go, I'm, look, I sat in a church service years ago where there was this, there, there was a, a kind of heavy thing that had happened in the life of our church. And, and the leader at that time had said, we have to cast out the spirit of grief in this place. I'm like, no, we need to comfort those who mourn. Because that's what Jesus said. See, because here's, here's, the, here's the next one. Hype is a push. And so if, you're, if, if everything in church is about hype, I've got to constantly be pushing you. And the worship team's got to constantly be pushing. And we're constantly trying to push our faith and push into Jesus. You know, you ever, you ever heard someone say that? Going, if you're struggling, you just need to push into Jesus. And you go, oh, oh. it just sounds exhausting. Because, and what we'll try to do is we'll try to push. And it's like, it's toxic positivity. It's like, let's pretend everything's fine. It's like, everything's not fine. But see, if hope is a push, I'm sorry, if hype is a push, hope is a pull. Our hope is that the Word says that for this, Christ took hold of me. 
And for this, Paul said, he draws me forward. This Christmas, if your Messiah complex is one of hype, you will feel like I have to push through Christmas. I have to push through this problem. I have to push into God. If your, if your story is the hope of Jesus Christ, then you can know that he holds you and he pulls you. And the work that he has begun in you, he is faithful to carry on until completion. See, if your message is of hype, then you look at the current events of the world and you go, it's doomed. If it's, if it's hope, it's God's kingdom will come. His will shall be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because the Bible promises us in Isaiah, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Hype is pressure. Hope is release. The other thing that I found is that hype is always a reaction. So like, hype is almost always something that we do in response. The marketing of this has got me hyped. This particular, I'm hyped for this. I'm hyped for that. But, but so if, if hype is, is in this sense, this push, it's this, it's this reaction, and there's always got to be something, you know. And again, the pressure of the church becomes, we've got to keep people hyped. I've sat in meetings. We've talked about how do we keep people hyped? I, go, I would rather talk about how do we keep people hope and hope. Because hope, if hype is, if, sorry, I've lost my words now. If hype is a reaction, expectation, and hope is a catalyst. See, every single move of God, you can trace back to a group of people who hoped in him. And you might see a whole lot of hype on the stage or a whole lot of hype in the media, a whole lot of hype in the history books, but trace it back and you will find someone who had hope. When God appears to Mary, there is no hype. I mean, there's an angel and it's terrifying, but Mary is not a hyped up person. She's not some celebrity, but God says, you have found favour. He appears to the shepherds. He appears to new age astrologers outside of, of the status quo. Hype is a reaction, but it's hope that is the catalyst for change. And church, I wonder what would happen if this Christmas we rediscovered our hope. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of the things that we hope for. The conviction of the things we do not see. Colossians chapter 1 verse 5 says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 28 says, The hope of the righteous 
is gladness, but the expectation or the hype of the wicked perishes. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. According to my earnest expectations and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, even here, as always in 2023, even now, even here, will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. See, I love this scripture because he says, whether by life or by death, this is Paul writing. See, because hype says unless. Hype says this, unless God, unless this, unless that budget, unless that particular thing, unless these set of circumstances. Hype says unless, 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 and we always go from unless, and then you get there and you have another unless. Hope says even if, even if. Even if it all turns to gravy. Even if I can't have a roast this Christmas. Even if I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills next week. Even if I don't know, I can't see this getting better. Even if my hope is in the long expected Jesus who promises to do what he said he will do. See, I've told this story before, but I just love it so much because there was so much hype around the coming of the Messiah. Not pitched by God. God just kept giving them expectation, things to hope for. But it's amazing how what once was something we hoped for becomes a little hyped up. I mean, actually, when you read Scripture, the promise of Jesus coming as a baby was right there. It was right there. He'll be born to a virgin. Isaiah, the Lord himself will give you a sign. It was all there, but over time it got hyped up. Have you ever been fishing? And by the time you get home, the story gets a little bit bigger? No? (laughs) Jana, has he ever been fishing? And by the time he gets home, the story's got a little bit bigger? Yeah, I know him. I know him. (laughs) Frankly, I'm surprised he went fishing. I I thought he'd just gone to the store and then still told a good yarn. Now, Tara and I have been reading this Dr. Seuss book. It happened on Mulberry Street. I don't know if you've ever read it, but it's about this little boy who walks home from school and his father says, have your eyes open for what you see. And he says, but what I see is plain. And so on the way home, he, gets, like, he sees a horse and a cart and by the time he gets home, it's an elephant and two giraffes pulling a brass band and a something else. And a, you know, Because hype makes everything bigger. And so this, all this time, and again, you've got all these people who the story of the coming Messiah has become so hyped. And it should be big because we've hoped for it. It's what we hope for. But the hype has become so big that they miss him. See, our Christmas hype can become so much that we miss Christ. Because we're so busy pushing We're so busy saying unless, unless the the table's perfect, unless whatever, unless this, that we can miss the person of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And so my prayer is that we would be like Simeon this Christmas. Simeon is just one of the greatest characters in the Bible. If you read through the book of Luke, you'll see him. All these people were looking for a charioteer, a a war general, all these sorts of things. Simeon serves in the temple. And Joseph and Mary bring in their newly born 
Messiah to dedicate him. Now, Simeon, like this is his job, right? He's dedicated hundreds, hundreds of babies. And they bring him this Messiah who the Bible says there was nothing about his physical appearance to set him apart from anybody. And they put him in the hands of Simeon. And Simeon takes him and looks at him and says, I have seen the Lord Almighty. I have seen God. See, where everyone else was looking for hype, Simeon had spent years in hope. And in that moment, because of his hope, he holds the Messiah and he sees what no one else sees. Can I bless you, church, this Christmas to be people who see what no one else sees? Can I bless you this year to look beyond the hype of everything? And as you do all your traditions and all those sorts of things, God bless you, enjoy them. But look past the hype for the one that we hope for, the one who has come, the one who is Emmanuel, God with us, and the one who is coming again. The one who will wipe every tear from every eye, who will right every wrong, who will restore every relationship. Come, thou long expected Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you came. that you came simply, that you lived simply, you moved powerfully, but you walked simply. And that your gospel, your good news is simple so that we might all partake. Lord, you are the desire of every nation. You're the desire the hope of every longing heart, whether we recognize it or not. What we're looking for in all of the hype, in all of the Facebook marketing, in all of the algorithms, in all of the like hunting and and content creation, all of these things, Lord, what we're looking for is peace. Let us find our rest in you. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Would you be present in our homes this Christmas? Would you be present in our families this Christmas? Would you comfort those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep? Lord, I thank you that your Christmas message is not one of hype. It's not one of exclusivity. It's not a push. It's not a pressure, but it's a release. It's a pull. And Lord, you welcome us at your table this Christmas. May we eat with you as you eat with us. And would you receive the honor and the glory that you so deserve. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.